Now we know that in the Old Testament times, many times they learned the oral tradition by repetition. So, you know what? Who's heard the Christmas story before? Well, everybody should raise your hand. You actually heard a good portion of it already this morning, right? We are going to hear that again. But you know what? Make it a part of who you are. Come to know it. Read it often so that it will have a change in your life, that it will have an impact, that you may come to know this as who we are as Christians. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? We will remain in Luke 2 this morning. And just for the beginning part, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. Reading out of the New International Version, again, follow along in whatever version that you have with you. God's word is good. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rest this is the word of the lord thanks be to god dear heavenly father lord we thank you for your written word and your living word jesus christ that would come to live with us we are grateful we are thankful we are filled with joy and your spirit this morning may your presence continue to be known and felt and praised in the name of jesus christ amen amen you may be seated you have heard this story now uh, it's going to take one little minute and some do whole sermons on it and we'll talk a little bit more about it but we do get a little bit of this narrative some from our traditions more than their own and so we have corrected we've changed we've tried to learn and, and be teachable in these moments when we read through and we have a couple of pieces of the story that we want to do that. But too often, the real story is missed by some pastors when they preach on that. And I pray that God does not allow me to fall into that same trap. Verse 1 says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. That's an important part of prophecy you don't want to miss. That's an important part of this story of the lineage that Jesus would come through. A lineage that if you read the Old Testament is not possible until you see how he blends families in a miraculous and beautiful way. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to the firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This translation, the, the NIV, the newest NIV, does a little bit better job, but this is something that our, that our traditions have read into many times, and uh, this, a lot of them say an inn, right? 
and that we get this picture, we get our nativities, we have all this, that, that you come and you watch movies, and there's just this meaning innkeeper, right, that says there's no room here, you can't go, and turns this pregnant away, pregnant lady away. Who's heard that story before? Right? We've heard that story. But I think that's a really disservice to the innkeeper that doesn't really even exist. You see, there's a word here, Cataluma, that is, is, has to deal with this situation, the, the, the home, the living situation that is going on here. And it doesn't even make sense when you actually think about the culture, think about the scripture, it doesn't make sense that they would go to what an inn is for us. We think hotel, right? We think there's a place that all these visitors would come and they would go and they would look for a room. But tell me this, if you were going back to your hometown that your family is from, and you were going back to that to register and to stay some days there, where would you go? You would go to your family's house. Nothing else really even makes sense. You would go, they actually in this culture would be offended if you would not come to their house. Not only that, but if you didn't know any of your immediate family, let's say you've been gone a while and, and you didn't have any brothers and sisters, but if you would say, come to this place and say, you know what, I am from the line of David, they actually wouldn't even have hesitated. They would have said, come, welcome, join with us. Stay here with us. You see, hospitality is unfortunately one of the things that we have lost a little bit from their culture. That even if they didn't have any family relation, if someone would come through town and say, we need a place to stay, it was so much ingrained into their culture that their homes actually had a place in them to support that kind of hospitality. They had a guest room. They had, guess what? In many, in many homes, there's two levels, and they, it would be on the upper level. It would be called, in many places, an upper room. When Jesus and they gather later, it is in one of these places that is the guest room. And that is what this word, ketaluma, is even used at that point. And guess what? If you think, well, Luke maybe was thinking of an inn, but actually later on we see in the parable of the Good Samaritan, he uses a different word for when they take the Samaritan to an inn, a place that people did gather, for out-of-towners, if they had no place else, could go. And Luke chooses not to use that same word. So we get a vision here that he is going back to his family's home. And of course, guess what? So did every, everybody else in the family had to come back there too. So there really was not room. But I think it's even more than that. And we've heard different parts of the story, and, and there are no absolute certainties in some of this, but we, we have to understand the scandal that was going on. But we also have to understand Mary was what? This is not a hard question. Mary was pregnant. It was time to give birth. And so were Joseph and Mary a, a good Jewish family? Well, yes, they were. And Galatians 4 says that even Jesus was born under the law, right? So if you look at some of your notes under this section, there are some things that come up in Exodus and, and there's some things that come up in Leviticus that, that are important. The Leviticus 12 even tells of what the woman has to do after giving birth to either a firstborn son or a daughter of how much time. See, there is an uncleanliness in, theirs, in their culture with what is going on and that she could not be around. There was not room for this. There were others around that, that could not be. She would be considered at birth unclean. Then we know that the, the son would be circumcised on day eight. But guess what? 
different times. That's a whole different sermon. But for 40 days, these numbers keep coming back. For 40 days, she would remain apart from the congregation of the Israelites, the congregation of the Jews, the community. She would be apart from those. That she would be considered in some ways unclean for those periods of time. We continue with the story here because there was no guest room available for them and there were shepherds. See, we, 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 we just skip over that. Well, our families just meet. No, there just literally wasn't enough room and there was this whole custom, not even custom, but really law given by who? By God through Leviticus and they were good Jews that they would have been following this. So it's just the situation. No one's intent is bad. Nobody's mean. There's no mean Hebrew. There's no family that's pushing, I don't believe, this this daughter away, this soon-to-be daughter-in-law away. But we see some other people enter into this story, this beautiful story. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Guess what? I bring you what? Good news. This is what he is here for. This is what he has entered into, is the good news This good news will cause great joy for all the people. I want us to just take one minute, one thing to stop right there. And I just want us to look into our lives and say, do you have great joy? We preach often on joy, but if you do not have great joy, then we need to understand, we need to reflect. And I believe this is a little bit harsh. I think we need to repent. We are called, we are commanded to have great joy that our faces should be an example for all of those out there that do not have Him, even in our terrible circumstances. And that is not to make light of the grief, of the pain, of the hurt within our lives, but we have something that has changed us, that has changed our future, that has changed that there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more tears, that even among the terrible things of our lives, we as Christians, as Christ's followers, as those that have come to recognize who He is, are called and commanded to have joy. Now this season, the whole world sees to enter into our joy, but it goes away. It's easy to have joy at Christmas time when we're getting things, when we have time off from work, when we get to gather with our families. But a Christ-filled life is a life that is filled constantly with joy because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ that has come as a baby at this time. Amen? He is good. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. The same good news that we are to give, and it will bring great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. This is a big statement. The angel is coming to these shepherds and says, He is the Messiah. This is what they have been waiting for. This is a break in the silence of hundreds of years between the Old Testament prophecies and the time that is now come in his birth he is the messiah the lord this will be a sign to you you will find him wrapped in cloths and a mate lying in a manger there's some symbology here that shepherds probably understood better than others of the, the shepherds in bethlehem that were in charge of finding and keeping those 
perfect lambs for sacrifice. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. This is a God that brings peace. They were expecting maybe some war, but he's no, he is a God of peace. And we think of later in the New Testament, those that have claimed that this, that Jesus is the Messiah, they recognize, I tell you, they weren't the first to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. Even Mary had questions. Mary was told by the angel, she was told that this is who this was going to be. And she was amazed and she made her think and, and she, she kind of pondered that, even the language says. But I don't think she fully understand. But these that heard from the angel, they believed with all their heart that this is truly the one that was to come. This is the Messiah. We will go into Bethlehem. We will find this child and we will worship him. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby. See, now, if you think about even go back to this other part of the story, if they were just at some random place, would they have been even able to find them? But they knew who this was. They knew how they knew the family that that they were going to see. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She was still figuring things out, but she knew it was good. She treasured these things within her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Do you know that these things will be just as you have been told? Do we believe not only what has been, but what will be? That we celebrate a God that has come, will come again, and will bring about a new newness. That will bring about a new heaven and a new earth. That will bring about such great, continuing, eternal joy. That is who we are. Praise as Christians. We are loved by this one that is sent, this son. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, see, they were following the law. He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. I don't know about you, but I get overwhelmed reading this story. It is because I have, my mind has been changed over the years of reading this story that every time I read it, I believe more and more that it is for me. This is a personal story. It has great connotations to the entire congregation. It has great connotations to the entirety of those that follow him, but you also must believe that he came simply so that you may find salvation and that you may have the presence of the Lord with you always. That is the God that we serve that is a personal God that loves you so much that he would send his only son to take upon your sin, my sin, would bear it on a cross, would overcome the sting of death so that I may also overcome the sting of death. 
He is good. We get to this next part of the story. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. Remember we talked about this. So, so it was 40 days after a son was born. It was 80 days after a daughter. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him where? They took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. There's also this whole thing about the Exodus where you present the firstborn, right? God had a curse on the Egyptians that would not allow them to leave that their firstborn would be killed. But he also said, you will present your firstborn to me in memory, in recognition, in praise for what I have brought you out of. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. For them it was a pair of doves or two young pigeons. See, actually it was, it was something greater and a pigeon, but if you didn't have anything, this is the part of the story, Mary and Joseph were not well off. Their families may have been, but they were not well off. So their offering were two pigeons. That means they did not have the means for more. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He is one of my favorite characters. I just love the heart of Simeon. I, I tell you that, that it, does through, it comes through even in just these few scriptures, I believe. The heart with which he has, that is something for us to see. That is something for us to model. That is something for us to cling to, to grab hold of. Do we have a heart like this in our lives for the love of Christ that he has for us? Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. This is that Advent time. He was what? He was waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Not just something, and not something just for himself. He was waiting because he knew through the Holy Spirit that something greater was happening, that the Messiah would come in his time. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit he went into the temple courts. He knew that the time had come. He knew that the stars were there. He knew all of these things were happening because the Spirit gave him knowledge. He went into the temple courts. God's timing is so perfect. This is the day that he went. This is the day that he waited, but this is the, the 40 days. This is the time that they were going to come, and they came to the temple because that's where you came to consecrate, and they met there. He wasn't the main priest. He wasn't the one that would normally meet them and, and to do the purification rites. When the parents brought in, verse 27, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law require, required. Simeon took him in his arms. The very God that we serve. He took him in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. Those are some beautiful words. There's a lot of promises that God has for us. We may believe them. Do we cling to them as Simeon does? He came into that court knowing that he would find this child. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In waiting, we have no peace, right? That's that anxiousness. 
But God, he had said, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. For those that would follow, that would believe, that would repent, that would come to know him, there will be peace. You may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen nothing less than your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Shepherds knew. Simeon knew that there was something in Bethlehem going on. And it was nothing less than the coming of the Messiah. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is what is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You do understand that all hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. We understand that here in the now it is not always good. That that's not the promise. The promise is in the hope that is to come, not that everything was going to be great here. We've heard many sermons on that. That is nothing new. But to Mary that was hearing right now that your son is going to be the Savior of the world, but your heart will be broken by what happens here. There was also a prophet, a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She was faithful. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praising. Man, I tell you, sometimes we elevate some people in the Bible, but I think we miss some really good people in Scripture. She was faithful. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Come, coming up to them at that very moment. This is the God of perfection of timing, right? That He knows when to send His Son. Do we understand why it was 2,000 years ago? No, but I tell you, it's perfect. I tell you that there is reason. I tell you that it's probably, this is my only really uh, understanding of it, is it probably meant that the most people that will ever be able to be, that will ever be saved needed it to happen then so that the most people would come to know him. That's the only thing that I can really come to conclusion from God's heart is that he is going to make it so that he is going to do the perfect time that any that would come to him, any that would repent, would believe, would follow, the most that that will allow will be the time that he would send his son. That the time he would take his son. The time he would bring his son back. His timing is perfect, even when we do not understand. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, way up north, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and grace of God was on him. Do you realize that that same grace that matured him, that brought him to that point of obedience, that brought him through all these things, is the same grace that God has bestowed upon you when you come to believe and to follow? See, the... The parents, they went to the temple, but there was something missing on the temple. 
Now I'm going to ask you, I'm not, you don't have to, it's rhetorical. What was missing at the temple when Joseph and Mary came? See, if you, you look back into history a little bit, this was the second temple, right? This was not the first temple. This was not Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple had been destroyed 600 years before this, and something had been lost. Before, in the first temple, when you went into the main part in the Holy of Holies, you went into the very part. They had different things, but the thing that was at the center of this was the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat of God, His very presence, the representation of His presence there was in that temple. But for those 6,000 years, even when the temple was restored and rebuilt, there was still no ark. We don't know where that is, why that would be a wonderful discovery. But the Babylonians had destroyed that, had come back. Now we have what I believe to be the return of the presence of God to that temple. We have a new ark that carries that very nature in Mary coming to the temple, consecrating what she has, which is Emmanuel, the very presence of God, has come back to the temple. But see, he doesn't stay there. He says, no longer will my spirit be here. No longer will my presence only be known in this tiny little space of the Holy of Holies. No, that's not what I'm doing. I am bringing my very presence, my very nature to all. So he goes out, he matures, he brings in his disciples, he teaches them, he brings a Pentecost, the very spirit of God, which is the presence of God with us, among us, and in us to be the temple and other places. You see, when he died on the cross, guess what? The veil was torn. There was no reason for a holy of holies that had been setting empty anyway, but now we have the very presence of God and it would continue to be given to us till this very day that his presence, when we come, when we come in this morning and those doors open and we gather that we don't invite God's presence, it is already here. And it will remain when we just recognize, we see even in this story, some would not recognize who he was. Later, some would not recognize who he was. But if you are favored, you will come, you will see, you will proclaim, and you will go out and proclaim even more. God is revealed in this Christ child. You see, he was not born of a human so that he would come to know us in a new way. You see, that's the, he doesn't need to know us better. He came that we may see him in a new way. That he would reveal his nature in a more complete, more perfect, more fulfilling way for us. The world was created by God at the beginning out of love. And this is, this is the key part. And it is now, even though broken, it is redeemable by the love of God through the love of Christ, the one who we are dependent, made himself dependent upon a poor, remember they had two doves, they didn't have the other, a poor woman in a society that did not respect and value as they should women, in the midst of a scandal that she was pregnant before this marriage. How awesome is that? that he would make himself dependent on someone else. The humility involved in the incarnation truly is 
pretty unfathomable to us, right? The redemption of creation by the creator of everything we know and have yet to discover. The God that created everything would come this way. Can you imagine yourselves even? Now think for a second. Can you imagine yourselves tomorrow, let's say tomorrow you will wake up and you will now be a baby again. Who would look forward to that? (laughs) I believe that. (laughs) But you would come no longer being able to feed yourself, no longer being able to walk, not being able to work a remote control, watch some Sunday football, needing a diaper again. We're just a puny little human that needs help with everything. Most of us aren't going to want to go back to that. And that is just us, these puny little humans. No, but we have a God that did that and more. He became a child so that his love, his grace, his mercy, his redemption, and his salvation will be fully known by us. That's love. Think about that. We wouldn't want to become that baby again, but he became it out of from his throne of this, all of this. He would humble himself that much. I don't know how you're not more amazed at that. I don't know how I'm not more amazed every day that he would do that out of his love for us. Uh, Corey Ten Boom said something. She said, who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that he gave his only son. The only requirement is what is to believe in him. The reward of faith is that you shall have everlasting life. His motives are pure and they are pure love. Maybe that is what we need to reflect on today is truly the spirit of Christmas. May we be humble as God is humble. May we have humility as God had humility. May we love our neighbors as ourselves. On our trip, we got to go to Bethlehem, and I think that was one of the more impactful things, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details. But our guide who who goes to the church there, that her family goes back to this time in Bethlehem, that they've been telling the story from parent to child, parent to child, parent to child, for all this. Of all these things that she said, it could be this, it could be this, we think it's this. We're standing in a church over the spot that we truly believe is possible that, that the Christ was born, but it doesn't really matter. The spirit of Christmas that she told us is that when we eat, when we eat, remember the hungry. When we dress, remember those that have no clothes. When we hug our families, remember those that do not have theirs or were hurt by theirs. That is the spirit of Christmas that we would come to know and act as Christ acts and love as Christ loved and be humble as Christ is humble. In this world, we must be reminded that it's not the greatest that become the greatest, right? This is God living out this, that it's not the greatest that become the greatest, but the least that become the greatest. So he became the least, 
born under scandal, born for us to have life. That's strong up here too. Um, He was born under the law. You see, we may have missed that part and I'm just finishing up. I know we have lots of things to get to. But if we're not here for him today and to learn and to come to know him better, then what are we here for? He was born in the law. He even, when he was taken to the temple by Mary and Joseph, that purification was for her, but it was also for him. Whole blood and water thing. There's more there than we have time for now. But there was purification. Even though he was perfect, even though he was sinless, he made himself a part of that law that he also had to be brought about and brought back into fellowship with his Jews with his fellow Jews. He was the fulfillment of that law that even if he needed to be brought back in, do we see each and every one of those in our homes and communities in this world that don't know him in the same way, that they are truly brothers and sisters that need to have their fellowship with us restored. God is a God of restoration. He is a God that brings newness, who brings, that we all have so many things in our lives that need to be restored. Our bodies, our relationships, our attitudes. He is a God of restoration. He wants that for us that is how we celebrate truly Christ coming in his birth what was missing on the temple was the ark of the covenant the presence of God what is missing in those lives of those around us do we love them enough to proclaim to come as the shepherds come and say have you heard have you seen there is a messiah your life may have been dark it may have been silent but i know what has now come into this world for you just as we must see it as personal for us we must see it as personal for them that they need the light that is jesus christ in their life that there's something missing just as the ark was missing on the temple just as his presence the presence of god is missing in their life but the presence of god is available to them but how will they know if we do not proclaim from the mountaintops glory to god in the highest in heaven And on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. We must bring the peace of God, not only to ourselves, but to all those that do not know him. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that we just have an appreciation, an acknowledgement of your humility, of your love for us. May we not leave this place today with not knowing how much you loved us that you would make yourself one of us. That you would enter the dependence of even being a newborn baby, stepping down from your throne in all of your authority and power to become one of us. May we have even a small part of that humility 
to know that we may also need to serve as slaves, not of sin any longer, but of the risen Savior. That we may go out and serve you by spreading nothing less than the good news of salvation. The shepherds recognized it. Simeon recognized it. Let us today recognize that as well and give you great praise and glory and honor. We thank you for your love for us and we love you in return. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. As a benediction this morning, we're not going to be ending with a prayer today. I have invited Martha to come back and to play us out. At the end, when she is done, would you say to yourselves, Amen. And would you go in peace? And would you celebrate Him, not only the rest of this day, but truly every day with the Spirit of Christ upon you? happy that you've chosen to listen to our sermon today on the platform of your choice. We at Cory Community Church of the Nazarene continue to honor our calling to be kingdom people. We rely upon the gift of the fellowship and community to equip each other to fulfill our mission of reflecting the love of Christ to all those that God has placed within our lives. We welcome you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. in Cory, Indiana, just south of State Road 46. God bless.